Philippians chapter 1. All right. Philippians chapter number 1. All right. Been a good day today, and appreciate y'all being here. And uh, I don't know about y'all, but I enjoy Sundays. I really do. And uh, you know, there was a time growing up and being in a pastor's home. You know, we we were when I was a kid, we were just made to come to church. We never discussed whether we were going or not. We just went. And uh, I remember a time in my life when I was younger, thinking, "Boy, I can't wait to be out from under mom and dad's house. I can." Go up in the mountains somewhere, live in a cabin, be a hermit the rest of my life. And, and uh, I endured, sad to say, many years of my dad's messages because I just sat there because I had to. And I remember when I got saved, I was 13 years old, and something changed inside of me. And uh, all of a sudden, my dad got really good at preaching. And uh, I don't know what happened. It was, it was really interesting. And so... Uh, yeah, and I, and I will say there 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 are times that our lives were we're more hungry and thirsty for God's word, and then there's times where maybe we've waned a little bit in some of that, and so I understand that that ups and downs ebb and flow in our life of things like that. I, I think it's God's desire for us to constantly have a hunger and a thirst for God's word, and when we get into those times where maybe we don't we're not as excited as we used to be about it, uh, most of the time a lot of the time it's because of things in our life that hinder that. And uh, so, uh, but um, I want to encourage us today in some things. Uh, I, I like Sundays. I really do. I look forward in, throughout the week to Sundays and uh, to be able to spend some time. And then uh, when the services are over, a lot of times in the afternoons, I go take my Baptist nap, you know, after I, amen. And uh, they said that the, def- the acrostic of saint is Sunday afternoon is nap time. And uh, so... <laughs> Uh, but after my nap, a lot of times I'll just I'll just either re-listen to one of the messages or I'll tune in one of my friends that pastors another church and listen to their message. And I like to end the day with the thoughts of the messages on my heart. And uh, they do such an encouragement to us. Um, and, and oftentimes we, uh, we hear a message and if somebody asks you three days later what the pastor preached on, well, I don't know, but I remember it was good, you know, and we don't remember it real well. There's times I've preached a message and somebody asked me the next day, what did you preach on yesterday? <laughs> and I've been like, oh, i got to think on that one for a minute. There's been so many of them. You know. um, but isn't it good to meditate and think on the things that God gives us through His Word? And uh, kind of relive the joy of when we were sitting there listening to it and hearing it. And I hope that Sundays are those kind of days for us. That we, we take the messages home with us and we think about them, meditate on them. And uh, and let them sink in. I mean, uh, get all the juice out of them. I mean, squeeze it as much as you can. Get get everything you can out of it. And uh, then to come again in, in Wednesday night, and you know that's just kind of the the booster shot of the week. You know, it kind of helps us a little bit, and uh, really enjoy that. Philippians chapter number one. We're going to be fairly brief today, uh, partly for my discomfort because of the discomfort I'm in, but. Uh, uh, we'll, uh, I certainly want to do justice to the truth of the passage, and so I'll try not to rush through it, but uh, a fairly brief and, and simple thought this afternoon. Philippians chapter 1, we're going to look in verse number 12 and read down through verse number 20. Paul says, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather 
under the furtherance of the gospel. Now let me back up and give you a little bit of the history on this. Paul is, has been in prison at this point. Uh, he certainly has been through an awful ordeal throughout his ministry, persecutions. Uh, he's been beaten, he's been stoned, he's been shipwrecked, he's been uh, everything you can imagine that has happened to the Apostle Paul. And at the end here of his, of his ministry and his life, he now is imprisoned at Rome. And uh, there's some things that are going on here. And he writes to the church at Philippi, which is a church that he loved very dearly. Uh, in fact, it's the only church that he has no corrective uh, instruction for. He, he doesn't need to correct them on anything. I'm not saying they were a perfect church, but Paul doesn't choose to correct them on anything. He really has a heart for them. And uh, he gets to verse number 12, and he wants them to be assured of this, that the, the situation that he found himself in, he talks about this in verse 12. He says, uh, But I would have you understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel. And we've seen a little bit of that in our lifetime, how that oftentimes things come up in our life that are we look at it and we say, well, that's a hindrance, that's a stumbling block, that's a, a speed bump in the Christian life. And how often God is able to take that and use it for the furtherance of the gospel. He's able to take something that, that man meant for evil or Satan meant for evil and make it something good and beautiful in our lives and something that can be used by Him. He goes on to say in verse number 13, "...so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. And one, the one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely." supposing to add affliction to my bonds. In other words, there were some people that were preaching the gospel, but they were preaching it in a way that really put Paul in a bad light. But he also said this, he said the other, verse number 17, he said, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. And Paul was saying, you know what? There's some people out here that are preaching in such a way as to put me in a bad light. And he said, you know, the, the, the flesh nature might have the tendency to be upset about that. But he says, I rejoice because through it, the, the gospel's being preached. It's being preached and rejoicing in that. Not every church is going to be exactly like our church. Um, but there are many churches that preach the gospel. And uh, we may say, oh, I disagree with them on this, or I disagree with them on that. But they're preaching the gospel. And we need to rejoice that the gospel is being preached. We get to verse number uh, 19. Um, For I know that this shall turn out to my salvation through your prayer, and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed." But that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be what? Magnified in my where? In my body. Whether it be by life or by death. Now Paul finds himself, he's, he's in prison here at Rome. And he finds himself in a strait. He knows that it could be the end of his life. Or they may show mercy and he may continue on. And he said, to be real honest with you, in fact, if you read down verse 23, he says, I'm in a strait betwixt two. He said, I have a desire to depart, uh, which would be far better, but it's needful for you that I stay. And he talks about that. But I want us to notice this in verse 20, that he says, you know, these bonds, these afflictions, 
the fact that I'm continuing and being steadfast, I have an earnest expectation that I will not be ashamed in anything <coughs> and that I will have boldness as always so that Christ may be magnified. And he uses this phrase magnified in my body. Now, I enjoy science and um, there, when we were kids we had uh, microscopes and we would try to see uh, the, the, the little bitty things we would magnify them with a microscope and they would change the powers of it and you could see closer and closer and you could see more and more of it. And it would take something and it would allow you to see all a, a lot of it that you couldn't see before. Let's put it that way. There was a magnifying where it wasn't just the, the small things. I remember as a kid getting a magnifying glass for the first time and my older brother, who uh, was not that good of an influence on me in this area, showed me how to take a magnifying glass and burn ants with them. Not not a real good thing. wasn't kind to the ants, but <laughs> every good boy needs to learn how to burn ants with a magnifying glass. That's that's just part of becoming a man. And uh, when I when I was a child, I spake as a child. When I became a man, I learned how to burn ants with a magnifying glass. And uh, that's in First Gregalonians. So, uh, but anyway, um, I remember I remember the the amazement I had oftentimes. When I would I would put something under that magnifying glass, or I'd slide a slide in the the uh, uh, the uh, the tele the uh, microscope, and, and how it would take, and you could see details, and you could see things that you couldn't see before. And I think oftentimes when we look at the world we live in, uh, we talk about the Lord Jesus Christ, and we may talk to him uh, to to lost people about him. And can I tell you this, that we need to live in such a way and we need to know Christ in such a way and we need to be able to present Christ in such a way that we magnify Him in front of others. Uh, that people can see Him for, for all that He is. And not just that, that He's Jesus Christ or that He's a God up there, but that we teach them some things and show them some things that Christ is all-powerful. Christ is God and the great God that we serve. I, I get... I get concerned sometimes that we as Christians uh, put God in a box. I was talking with a young man just uh, recently, and uh, how the the idea was: well, when I need God, I go I go to Him when I really need Him. And it's almost like we we put Him on a shelf, and somebody called it an Aladdin's lamp type of a God, where we put Him on the shelf until we need Him. And then we take him off the shelf and we rub the lamp and say, oh, I need you now, I need you now, and we pray. And then we wonder sometimes why God doesn't answer those prayers. And I thought, you know, the Bible talks about the fact that he will dwell with them that are of a contrite heart and those that are of a humble spirit and those that will walk with him. That he'll dwell with them. And uh, the idea that we are to magnify the Lord and make him uh, presentable to this lost and dying world. Well, Paul talks about this and he says that he wants to magnify uh, Christ in his body. So I got to thinking on that, magnifying Christ, his body. As you begin to read down through Philippians chapter 1, if you have time to read the rest of the chapter, it's a very interesting chapter. But as we get to verse number 27, I believe Paul expounds a little bit more on this of how do we go about magnifying Christ in our bodies? How do we go about magnifying Christ in our bodies? So I want to give you some things that I believe Paul sets here as an example of things that can be done to show all of God, uh, all that He is to us, all that He means to us, to a lost and a dying world, to magnify Him in our bodies. Now, let's look at verse 27. The Bible says, 
Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. I'm going to stop there just for a moment. The word uh, uh, conversation here is, is not the way we use it today in the fact that we're talking about speaking. But it literally means our lifestyle or what people perceive our lifestyle to be. It's what we communicate it to people through our life, through our testimony, the way that we live our life. And so keep that in mind as we look at this verse. It's saying, let, uh, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. I love that phrase, becometh the gospel of Christ. Again, there was a usage in, in, in the older English of the word becoming. That's very becoming of you. And, uh, or we would use that word become. Uh, in the sense of saying it's in keeping with the character of, or it's, it fits it properly. Um, you, for a lady, sometimes in the old days, they might say, well, that dress is very becoming. And what they were saying is it's very fitting. It fits you. It's, it's your personality. It's, it, it's very becoming of you. And so that same idea is held here as we get to this verse 27 and what Paul is saying. He says, let your conversation, this, this testimony that we live... Be lived in such a way that it is within the keeping of the character of the gospel of Christ. That it becometh the gospel of Christ. It's something that when we look at it, it fits properly within the parameters of what the gospel is. That would be magnifying the Lord. And so when we get to this verse, he's speaking here of our testimony outwardly. He says that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. Now, he's going to give a list of things here. I want to give these things as things that you and I can do to magnify Christ in our bodies, in our testimonies. If we're, to, if we're to live in such a way that it becometh the gospel of Christ, these are things that need to happen in our lives. Number one, that ye be steadfast. Or stand fast, I'm sorry. That we stand fast, that we're unmovable. Uh, that we do not sway with every wind of doctrine. We spent some time in VBS this year dealing with uh, the Psalm 1 and the Christian tree. And the Christian tree is one that uh, deepens its roots in the Word of God and in a walk with God. And it says that He shall be as a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. Um, I remember growing up in Florida, uh, we had hurricanes down there quite often when I was growing up. And... There were trees every time that we had hurricanes that would literally uproot. They would fall over. And I remember seeing some of those trees that were large trees and very tall trees. And when they would fall over, you'd look at the roots that came up out of the ground with them. And a lot of them went out a little ways, but they had no depth to them. They didn't go down into the ground. They were just very surfacy. They went along the top of the ground. And uh, can I tell you this, that... When it comes to us as, God, as God's people, we need to deepen our roots in God's Word. We need to deepen our roots in our worship and our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to have a steadfastness that when the, the trials come, and the Bible talks about the wiles of the devil that will come our way, that when those things come, we remain steadfast and unmovable. That we don't sway, we don't, we don't change, we don't flow with the crowd, we don't move with the world. But we come to God's Word and we say, listen, I'm going to magnify God and here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to just live what the Bible says and I'm going to be steadfast in it. I'm not going to move from it. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to go liberal. I'm not going to go away, away from the Scriptures. There are pastors, and pre- well, so-called pastors and preachers, 
around the country today standing in pulpits in what we call churches that will not bring anything of the Bible to their people today. They'll get up and they'll talk to them about how good they are and how, how God wants to prosper their life and how if they'll just think positively and think well that God will uh, give them heaps of blessings. And by the way, don't forget to give your money as you go out the door because if you sow that seed, God will multiply it hundredfold and they won't have anything of Bible in their message. Can I tell you this? If we're to magnify God, we've got to sink our roots into the Word of God. We've got to be steadfast on it. Uh, I'm thankful there are some men in my life that I look up to, and we don't agree in every point, and, and, and we know that, but they're very dear friends of mine. And one of the things I've told them often is what a blessing they have been to me as a pastor to watch them finish well. Because so many men that I've watched over the years have, have drifted and have changed and have gotten away from God's Word. And it does my heart well because my goal and my desire is to be steadfast in this book. I don't want to deviate from it. I don't want to leave it. I don't want to be apart from it. And I need that encouragement from time to time to see some men that have gone through those storms and they've battled the persecution that's caused them to try to tempt them to get away from God's Word. And the temptations have been there along the, the, the ministry trail. And, and the idea that uh, it would be so easy to, to get into a, a church that you could do things and draw a crowd and, and have a lot of uh, popularity and write books and be well known and go on the preaching circuits. Can I tell you this? I'd rather be steadfast in God's Word than to have all of those things. And it does me well to see God's men sometimes that have stayed by the stuff and been steadfast and unmovable and always abounding. So Paul deals with this in verse 27. He says that whether I be absent or whether I come see you, he said that I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast. And then he says this, that we not only stand fast, but he wanted them to stand fast in one spirit, in one spirit, to have the same mind towards the things of the Lord. And in one mind, that there be a unity among the church. Uh, oftentimes in Scripture, the Bible speaks, and Paul sometimes uh, chastises the church or um, kind, of, kind of gets on to them a little bit about the divisions that are in those churches. And how often he speaks of the fact that there needs to be a unity of spirit, uh, having a one-mindedness, a one a heart for the same things. When I look at that, I think that the heart that we need to have all together, because the truth of the matter is, we could go through a whole list of distinctives and doctrine, and there may be some things that every person in here would differ on at some point. How then can we be in unity of spirit? I believe that it's speaking here of having the same heart for God's Word and for God. To be pursuing after, to have a hunger and a thirst, to be right with God and to be right with His Word. There are times that I think, well, there are good men, good pastors that I know that are dear friends of mine. And in practice or in preferential things or matters of the conscience, we see some things differently. But I think we still have a kindred spirit. We still have a unity in pursuing after God. And Paul says, listen, if we're going to magnify God, we've got to come together. We've got to have this, this mindset of uh, becoming the gospel, being in the keeping of the character of the gospel of Christ. He says the way we do that is, number one, to be steadfast in the Spirit and in one mind. Then he says this, striving. I think that there has to be a labor involved in magnifying Christ. 
The fact that there is a labor involved. You don't magnify Christ by sitting back in your spiritual chairs and not doing anything. We magnify Christ by doing His work and seeing His work being accomplished. And so Paul says here, striving, and not only are we to strive, but he makes this statement, and I love this, striving together. Striving together. There's an awful lot more work that can be done when we labor together in the Lord than there is when we labor individually in the Lord. I love our prayer times together on Wednesday night, and we let the ladies pray together, and the men, if they want to pray together, they can pray together, or we can pray individually. But I like that we come together on a Wednesday night and in one accord. It's not that we don't all pray in our own individual prayer closets, in our devotional times, but isn't it amazing what God accomplishes when we come together in prayer? When we meet for the same mind and the same purpose. We can study our Bibles, to be real honest with you, in our own devotions every day of the week, can't we? But look at what happens to our hearts and our, our minds as we come together in church in a, in a meeting like this, and we are striving together in some things. It's amazing to see what God can do. And Paul says this is a way we can keep in the character of the, of the gospel, that we can be that which becometh the gospel. We can magnify God in our bodies this way. He says that we need to be steadfast in one spirit, one mind, striving together. And then I want you to notice this. For the faith of the gospel. We need to have the right message. We need to have the right message. Uh, I, I think that there are times and places we went Friday down to the uh, fire department and fed them lunch. I think there are times and places for a church to do things like that. But that ought not be our primary thing. I think humanitarian efforts are great and are, are things that the church ought to be a part of. But that ought not be our primary thing. Our primary thing is to take this book right here and take it to a world that hasn't heard it yet and to preach it and to proclaim it. And everything that we do in our church ought to have some bearing on that. It ought to have some plan and some motivation in mind that by doing this, we're going to be able to show things of the, to, the, to the world from God's Word. We're striving together for the faith of the gospel. That everything we do, whether we go to take some lunch to the, to the firemen and thank them for their service and tell them a little bit about what God is doing here at our church and what God's, do, what God's doing through our people and, and letting them see Christ at work in our lives and letting them see Christ in our church or whether it be out knocking on doors and telling people about Christ or whether it be handing out tracts or whether it be preaching the gospel on a street corner or in a church building somewhere. Whatever it is that we do, that we be busy uh, pursuing and, and striving together for the faith of the gospel. One of the great things that God gives us a privilege to do is to work in His field. I, you know, God, God could have done anything with us after we were saved. He could have taken us to heaven when we were saved. He, he could have just had us stay here and live, live our lives the way that we want to live them when we're saved. But instead, He gives us the privilege to know what His work is in this world and to be involved in it. There is nothing more joyful. There's nothing more satisfying. There's nothing more exciting to a Christian than to work with somebody, share Scripture with them, and see God do a work, transforming work in their life through that Scripture. Whether it be by salvation or whether it be by spiritually helping them. There's times that there have been Christians or uh, people that have needed spiritual help 
that, that didn't need to get saved. They just needed some things from God's Word. They needed God to draw close to them. And the fact that God allows you and I to have a part in that is an absolute privilege. That ought to be the joy of our lives, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So Paul says he wants Christ to be magnified in his body. He wants there to be no, he says, I don't want there to be any, I don't want to be ashamed of anything. I want Christ to be magnified. When people see me, I want them to see Christ. We talked about it in the last service a little bit, about the fact that it is all about Christ. How are we going to do this? We need to strive together for the faith of the gospel. We need to labor, one mind, be steadfast in one spirit, one mind, in one accord, striving together for the faith of the gospel. That we can magnify God. We can take God and put the magnifying glass of a testimony over it and show Him to a lost and a dying world. And I hope that that will be a help to us, that we will work to labor together to magnify God, to lift Him up, to point men to Him. And we can do that in soul winning. We can do that uh, in, in just a good testimony, living a life that's pleasing to Him. And uh, we've got to be careful. We, we really have got to be careful. Uh, the other day, um, there was a car. Jonathan and I were going down the road. There was a car, and it had a bumper sticker of a quote-unquote Christian radio station on the back of it. And the car got upset. <laughs> or the driver of the car got upset, honked the horn, was getting mad about some things there at the stoplight. And I told Jonathan as we were driving down the road, I said, we've got to be so careful, don't we? Because when we claim to let people know that we're a Christian in some form or another, and then we act a way that's different than that, how detrimental that is to the cause of Christ. Some people say, Pastor, why don't we get bumper stickers for Keith Heights Baptist Church? I'm afraid to do that. But beyond the bumper sticker, what about our life? How many people have we told, hey, I'm a Christian, and then they see our life? I want to magnify Christ in my life. I want Him to be lifted up. When people look at me, I, want them, I don't want them to see the mess I am. I want them to see the Savior that He is. And to be able to magnify Him. And so let's, let's take these things to heart. Let's, let's live in such a way that we become the gospel of Christ. It becometh us. We're, we're in keeping of the character of this book. Are we going to succeed at it and be perfect in every aspect? No. But our character ought to be such that when people look at us, they say, boy, what a great God and great Savior they have. And uh, to let people understand that and know that. And I hope that will be helpful. Let's stand together. We'll be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. And Lord, just a simple thought today, Lord, that we would magnify You in our bodies. We certainly want the heart to be right. We've dealt with that so much here in the last couple of months about stirring our hearts, about putting you first and lifting you up. But Lord, at some point, that's got to be shown on the outside. That inner, that inner spark, that inner drive has got to be something that produces fruit outwardly that will cause us to be able to magnify you to a lost and a dying world. And so, Father, may we labor in such a way, counting it a privilege to be able to be put into such a position as to be able to, uh, to be a magnifier of You. To be able to take Your Word to a lost and a dying world. Lord, bless our efforts. Bring us opportunities this week. May we be sensitive to the leading of Your Holy Spirit. May He guide us and direct us. And give us opportunity this week to share the Gospel with someone who needs to hear it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.